0: Welcome to
1: the Entertainment Engine. Welcome to Season 2 of the Entertainment Engine podcast. I'm Pete Moore.
0: And I'm Bex Gregory. This podcast was created by our company, Seamless Entertainment. We're providing in depth advice and information for creatives pursuing a career in the entertainment industry.
1: It's a great passion of ours, and we're looking forward to sharing our knowledge with you all.
0: Each week, we'll be bringing our listeners some great entertainment facts and news mixed in with special guest interviews from seasoned professionals who share their insight and experience of the business.
1: You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms so you never miss an episode. And what a bonus, it's totally free
0: and now it's time to introduce our next special guest on the show this week brad dollar brad is an energizing music producer engineer and coach to creatives an oakland bay area native he has been cultivating craft art and community since his youth passionate about creating the conditions that allow music and people to grow brad has produced and engineered tracks with bob weir of the grateful dead malik youssef who has worked with beyonce kanye west Plus, GEZ, Alphabet Rockers, who are Grammy nominated, and much, much more, as well as connected platforms like Amazon, MTV, Airbnb, and Jack Daniels to fresh content. Brad has also co developed the non profit music accelerator Zoo Labs, where he has coached over 300 musicians and dozens of music startups, helping align their art and business and their purpose. Here's the chat Pete had with Brad earlier this week.
1: Well, welcome everybody to the Entertainment Engine and today we welcome a really special guest from Nashville, Tennessee, Brad Dollar. Brad, how are you? Excellent. Thanks so much, Pete. Appreciate being here. No, absolute pleasure. Pleasure to have you on today, Brad. How, how have you been? And I've got to ask a question to kick off. How's your weekend been to begin with, but um, more more so, how's the, um, the pandemic been where you've been?
2: Um, different, uh, definitely different. You know, I'm sure for everybody around the world, they've experienced some degree of things changing and shifting. Certainly in the music industry, it's been quite different, uh, in the last year or so. And and, and here in Nashville too, even, even more so. It's a very, uh, in-person community, the networking, the shows, the studio sessions. So it's been quite different, but I think that everyone's adapted, uh, quite easily. And, you know, I think that the challenges that have presented themselves in the last year have really You know up the ante for everybody i think it's really made everybody stronger and and better if you stayed in music last year you're better because of it you're better at it so um you know i I feel i feel uh like i have a lot of questions but looking forward to the future and i feel like everything's been pretty great all things considered
1: yeah i think so i think we've been talking to um you know becky and i have been talking to a lot of people around the world and if you're still in music and you're still producing or or you're you're still on the live side or your manager then you're still in the game, and I think that's positive.
2: Yeah, some of my earlier mentors, um, you know, they went through you know some of the bigger financial problems of like late '80s, like the '87 stock market crash, and you know things happened in the '90s, and they always told me like when you get through these tough moments, you'll be better on the other side of it. So I just kind of had that mentorship in my brain through this whole time, and and also have been trying to pass it on to as many people as possible, so that they feel they can get through it as well and and thrive. Because I think it's really the the biggest part of right now is if you feel like you have the space to thrive, helping other people find that same space or similar space is kind of your duty especially in the music industry so i'm really happy to, to be in the position where i can even offer any insight around that
1: yeah i, I think so and i sort of echo that energy as well brad because i think you know people coming into the industry or wanting to learn more about the industry it's a, it's a difficult business to navigate and you have to learn it no one really teaches you from day one you've got to get out there and i suppose you know roll up your sleeves and, and get dirty so to speak yeah absolutely and it changes all the time you know i mean two years ago we didn't have
2: tiktok and now tiktok is one of the main ways that artists are discovered and found and promoted so it's always in this this state of flux from the technology to the way that we share what we're doing so you know if, if you're in it i think that you'll just find that whether it's you know one year or 100 years in the music industry it's always going to be in this this sort of uh ocean you're sailing on with lots of ups and downs but that's an ocean nonetheless
1: yeah exactly exactly and supposed to, really just to- go back to the early years brad tell us where you grew up and how you actually you put your early life what, how you began you know take us through that journey a little bit sure and you know pete forgive
2: me and the audience forgive me if i'm long-winded or i get off topic here so feel, <laughs>
1: no <laughs> no no it's fine speaking of
2: the ocean i can go many different directions um well I, I grew up in california in the san francisco bay area specifically in the kind of east bay corner of it if you haven't been to to the bay area in california there's two kind of different communities in San Francisco. There's like San Francisco itself, which is literally an Island. And then the rest of the Bay area, which is separated by bridges and whatnot. So when people say they're from the Bay area, there's different dynamics going on. So I'm from like the non San Francisco side of the Bay area. And I, I say that because it's it was a whole different kind of community growing up in you know San Francisco is very known for some very historic very important venues uh, strong music culture obviously you know like the the, the hippie and psychedelic era and, and so many great things to come out of it but the 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 Oakland kind of East Bay side of of the Bay Area has been really about like bootstrapping and bringing yourself up from the ground up there's a the, the work ethic there is is crazy intense uh, whether you're in music or you're in tech or finance or anything and so i grew up in this climate where it felt like you could do anything you wanted if you tried hard enough so very diy if, if i was going to like make it very concise so i you know i, I grew up in that area and uh i was very lucky to have a, a very nurturing mother who uh you know saw that i was into music early and, and let me sort of follow that path uh, I come from a family of five i'm the only one who really like dove this far into anything creative so i think my mom was pretty pretty pumped on that she played piano when she was a kid and things like that so so music started to come very naturally to me and uh to kind of just jump ahead like you know i i did play some music when i was like a little kid like seven or eight i was horrible at clarinet i tinkered on the piano but i remember this very visceral moment it was the uh 1999 mtv music video awards and uh Run DMC performed with uh, Kid Rock and Aerosmith and it just blew my mind. I, I, was, I, I was blown away by the, the combination of genres. I mean, I was like 10 or 11 at the time. So very little kid. Hadn't really heard that kind of music yet. And I knew I had to have a guitar. And I feel like from that moment, that like, let's get a guitar, mom. Like, what do I got to do? I got to sell my Star Wars toys. What is it going to take? From that moment I really feel like that was a, a, a big turning point in my life where I really haven't gone back the other way knock on desk here uh, in, in terms of music and, and playing music and producing music so my, my, my early life is really kind of you know foundational and being from this place that is you know very DIY driven go ahead go after it get after it um, a lot of creative freedom there and so you know as, as such I've been able to, to grow out of that and you know experience everything I've experienced so far oh no
1: that's, that's really good I think it's always really important i mean i sort of grew up with a you know great support from my parents as well Brad. i think having that in your corner i think i suppose using the cliche again it, it just gives you that motivation and if you've got your mum and dad behind you, or, or your siblings or your fam you just be able can can achieve a lot more because you've got that support structure behind you and i think that's you know it's invaluable really
2: yeah it's totally invaluable you know when, when i told my mom i wanted to start booking shows and she gave me the phone at the age of 13 and said go ahead i was <laughs> that, that, that was everything. That kind of level of trust that she had me, and you know that that you know almost eagerness to like push me out of the nest. I mean, I'm I'm the baby of five, so understand that too. And, you know, I'm like well, she's like, okay. Well, I got four others. They're they're fine. This 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 one goes one way or the other. It's okay. So uh, I think she sort of like felt some relief in that, and um and that that was a big deal. So that that carried on. I feel like that really helped me to. Uh, even to this day to give me the sort of inspiration but like yeah you, you can do it. Like you've made it this far on your own. Uh and, and going ahead with your tenacity and, you know, desire to do it then you can you can keep going. So yeah, I, I agree with you. She she is amazing and I'm very grateful to you. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Elaine Dollar.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mum mums, you know, mums are mums are great. And I think um and it just inspire us to move on and create what we need to do and i think also as well touching on what you said earlier brad with them um, i mean run dmc is probably one of my favorite acts as well so for you seeing that on mtv awards with you know aerosmith it's just it i'm not surprised it blew you away because they are just phenomenal phenomenal acts
2: yes yeah, it, it was so great you know i mean my, my brother listened to a lot of hip-hop growing up so hip-hop was in my life you know it you know it's a big part of the bay area culture and rock and roll and, and metal and that was also a big part of my 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 sort of like discovery and it's just seeing those together i think like I'm still reeling from how that blew my mind. Like, oh, you can do that, and and then just the the, the performance aspect too. Though I've ne- though I've you know I played a lot of shows and did some touring and stuff like that, but the the performance aspect, actually bringing something to people that wows them. Even like you know you watch the, the any awards show, like those are like the crowd is the best of the best. Like though, that is the talent, and to see people respond like that, it just gives you this feeling like wow, there's there's something deeper going on here. There's something about music that really connects people, no matter what they're position in life is or their ego or their past or anything like that and like music is like the great equalizer so that's really you know really, really rings for me today
1: oh absolutely absolutely and i don't know if you if you've managed to see them at all yeah uh, brad but um, i recently watched um uh, elton john's biopic and over the weekend i watched um bohemian rhapsody about freddie mercury that was good yeah that was really really you know i hadn't seen it and i've always been a fan of queen's music it's always been there i've never i never saw queen um unfortunately play live um he just played it really, really well. And you've got to say, Freddie Mercury, for really just one of the all time greats, to be honest with really, What a phenomenal, phenomenal performer. Oh, I, I get chills just thinking about that guy,
2: man. Just in, incredible, incredible prowess with not just his voice, but his, his lyrics. And yeah, I, I love that movie because I feel like it did a good job. Hey, they all looked like them, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. you know, uh, just, just, being closer to that dynamic I, i'm deeply in love with like how albums are made and like all the vh1 classic albums and behind the scenes stuff i mean i watch if you're like a small local band or artist and you put up like an instagram video of you making your songs like i'm watching it like i, I love it so seeing you know um, sort of biopic from that standpoint is super inspiring you know how they get their harmonies how they did all that and having studied some of the history it definitely it resonated with me so i i, I love that and i look forward to some more you know some more takes as we age and we see like other artists kind of making movies made like that it's, it was definitely really
1: inspiring yeah it was, it, it's another inspiration that I was lucky to see is um one of my friends was um was running a production for the Isle of Wight Festival and it was back in 2000 I think 2004 and um I just come back from the States working and invited me down and I came down and I, I didn't even look to see who was on the bill actually Brad I got there and then I suddenly had to look and it was David Bowie headlining that night oh my god so I lucky to see David Bowie perform. I actually got to say hello to him and, you know, wished him all the best and, you know, blah, 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 you know, the usual conversation. But that sits with me because he was just effortless, just effortless. And, you know, 75,000 people in the field with David Bowie. I mean, what can you say, to yeah. be honest with you?
2: Hard to top. Um, my first boss, and first mentor, Stephen Hart, he worked on, uh, I think Bowie's record was called Let's Dance. He worked on that and he said the exact same thing. Just an, an incredible talent, incredible person to be around. Uh, just... The best of the best. And, and, you know, Bowie, Freddie Mercury, uh, they come from an era of musician where they really do have it all. But even though they have an ego, they sort of like keep it under wraps. Like, I I love right now that I don't know if you've seen the trend on social media, there's a lot of David Bowie clips popping up. Yeah. Talking about the music industry and talking about like the truth behind it. I'm like, this is awesome. So few people really had that kind of voice, had that kind of success, had that kind of like creative power, and then also used their 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 words to sort of shine some some light and some truth on things so yeah m- much respect to them and, and i i'm glad that we are talking about this because i think that we're in this new era where musicians and no an are sort of like re-embodying that that's that's really your only pathway at this point forward is to is to be your authentic self and whatever you care the most about you got to show it to people um because it, it it does it does add up and people are looking for that truth
1: yeah i i think so and i think sort of touching on that point as well brad i think i've always said to musicians and, and bands you know, don't try and be somebody else. Don't try and, um, you know, copy somebody. Go out there and do your own thing. Go and do your own thing. And I think now is the time, especially what's happened with the pandemic. I think, you know, the reset button has has come. And I think it's, it's been a great opportunity for bands to actually hone their craft, learn to write better songs, get in their garage and, you know, put egg boxes around it and smack the drums all day long, play the guitar, just get better at what they do. Because we, we all seem to be, even some of the music supervisors, we work with as well, Brad, is that generally all the songs that get placed that we've seen over the last several years all come from that type of era where they want a story in the song. And we're always saying to bands, you've got to create the song is where it's at. Otherwise, you're just going to be tomorrow's chip paper. And I think it's a, you know, you make an important point. And I think bands have got to reconnect and actually, you know, put out some fantastic products.
2: Right, right. And to, you know, to that point, the, the sort of like pop culture part of the industry is you know, sort of said in the last few years before the pandemic, like, don't do that. Like, be be that authentic self. You know, on your social media, like, show everyone that you wanted, what you, like, who you are. But when it comes to your music, try to make something that's you know uh, universal. And as anybody who's listening to this podcast knows, when you try to make something that's for everybody, you often fail because you're not going to make everybody happy. I always ask people this question: like, do you like everything? <laughs> you know, do you like everybody? Yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. of course you don't. So I think you know when we start to to move into this new era where it's like, okay, what do you really care about? What do you, what do you really want to say? Where's the truth you really want? It really changes the dynamic of where we're at. And I think also, you know, on a, on a, on a social level, when the pandemic happened, depending on where you were in the country, we all saw a different response from the powers that be. We saw, you know, some countries responded immediately and 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 were were you know wonderful to their people, and other countries, you know, don't need really need to say, need to say who uh, responded quite slowly and and went the opposite way, and it really you know the United States especially pulled back the wool. It's like oh. Oh, we're, we're on our own. Like we really, we're on our own. Like we we can't just fall into these same sort of prescribed pathways. Like you're, you're carving out your own path here. And in doing so it was like overnight people became so much more truthful. Like it was, it was only summer of 2019 when people were still like making a bunch of songs about, you know, partying and, you know, getting laid and just doing the whole thing, which is great. Like it's great to have fun and do all that. But there was like, we're talking about like that honesty, the truth, that, that sort of just, you know, that life is, has ups and downs it's both wonderful and has moments of melancholy and now we're at this moment again where we can really you know highlight both those things in music and I I think it's it's really going to open the door for people to uh, make better music to fall deeper in love with the craft of it and for fans to actually find something they've been they've been looking for for a long time
1: yeah I think so and I think it, it shows the test of time as well to actually see that these types of artists have you know stayed 40 50 years 60 70 years in the business and that's what I think hopefully um new generation and a new community coming through will actually embrace that and you know we'll be hearing some great stuff i'm sure we will because i'm sure there's there's always going to be bands that are going to be popping up and suddenly you're going to be oh where did you come from oh wow that's a great song and then you'll learn the history behind that and i think it's not about being famous i don't think i don't think it's about that i think it's just more about learning your craft and creating great songs and and for me it's always about a, a great live performance if i see a band do a great live performance and they just leave everything on stage I will go and buy the album or I'll go and buy the single because I think you've just put a lot of energy, you've put a lot of time, you've put a lot of it, it just crafting it on stage and you've delivered a great performance. And for me, that's partly what it's all about, really. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, that, that's where it really comes through. I mean, like, like I'm a studio guy. Like I love making records, but I know that there is a certain amount of like... You know, there's there's like making records is like quantum physics. Like you throw a ball at a million ball at a wall a million times to get to finally go through the wall. Like that's what recordings like. You do a million takes to finally find that one where it's like, oh, it's magic. That's it. And so you can put a record out and it's successful. People love it and they they respond to it. But to do that live, that's like a. To do that live consistently, I should say, is like a one in a million thing. And so when you see that, it just, it changes your world. What I love about this, this kind of like, you know, COVID, post-COVID era existence is that now you can watch that show easily, readily, readily, anywhere you want. Uh, One of my favorite artists in the Bay Area is uh, Emily Afton. Incredible performer, incredible vocalist, incredible songwriter, such a, just, just a like a generational talent and if you wanted to see her before the pandemic you had to hope she came on tour or maybe you come to the bay area and and, and watch one of her shows but now she's performing live all the time and you can see her and it's and it's the same feeling it feels just as good and even maybe a little more intimate because you're like right there in her like little studio space so i think uh you know to what you're saying the opportunity to discover artists more from that sort of realm of like wow they're really pouring their heart out in front of me like the the odds of you finding artists like that just went way up and i think that's that's a, that's a that's a godsend for music, which is really what we need.
1: I completely echo that, and I think that's a great perspective for where you're at, where we're at. You know, I think that's, you know, great energy that's going to come through. And also as well, one of the other conversations we had with a lady we've known for a while, she's quite a big promotional executive in the UK, and she's worked with all the major labels, and she promotes lots of big songs. And, um... She'd been friends of ours for you know many many years, and she was saying to me and Becky that it's a great time to release music. It's a great time to get music out there because people are listening to more music, people are streaming more video, people are you know watching Netflix, Amazon, Disney, whatever. So she was quite a big supporter of if you got music and it's all done, get it out there, get people to listen to it because they're actually consuming more than they ever were because of obviously what's happened in the world. So I, hopefully, I well not hopefully, I think most people have, have embraced that and um, achieved that.
2: Yeah. I agree. I mean, the opportunities are, are so much higher than they were ten years ago. There's there's more content. There's more media. You know, like we and no one can argue that we live in a video centric world. But video without audio, video without sound, is you know sort of worthless, right? Like it's okay. It's, it it can be beautiful just to watch. You know, a silent you know piece of cinema. But you know what audio music does to any visual is really wake it up, and vice versa. You know, visuals really wake up music. You can take honestly kind of a mediocre song and put it against a scene or put it against a movie. And all of a sudden it takes on a whole new meaning. And so now we're in an era where those opportunities are more plentiful than they've ever been. And I think it can be hard for artists and music producers and creators to see how available the opportunities are, especially if you haven't had one yet. If you've been making music and you've been pitching, you just keep getting no's. I think that this is a time to just realize that you will get a yes. If you keep trying, and you know, Quality, as as important as it is, is still subjective. But quantity is something that can be measured. And so, if you really are pitching yourself a lot, sharing yourself a lot, putting a lot of music out there, the odds are in your favor that at some point, as long as you're really, sh- you know, putting a spotlight on the stuff you make, people are going to find it, they're going to see it. And if you really want to be somewhere specific, and you keep pushing it there, it's going to end up there. Whether that's a, a movie or a game, or if you want to get signed or whatever, like everyone's pathway is different, but wherever you want to go you, you can definitely get there and it, it's if you can't do it now I, I don't know when you can do it
1: yeah no I, I i completely agree with that as well and i think it is a great opportunity and um you know it, it, you should reconnect with music supervisors or you should connect with supervisors you should put the music over you should you know keep the conversation going because you don't know where that opportunity is going to come you know come across and i think it's it's getting bands into the right space making sure that they're actually dealing with their the business and the structure well and being able to approach people and say, this is what we do. Hey, this is what we've got. This is what we're all about. I don't want to bug you, but this is, you know, come, even like coming to you, Brad, there's, there's ways of approaching you and saying, look, this Brad, this is what we're doing. This is what we're up to. This is our, you know, this is our energy. Could you help us? Blah, blah, blah. There's ways of approaching. And I think, you know, that's a great. That's great for a band to be able to do that today and, and, and provide the energy.
2: Yeah, you, you have to try. And, you know, kind of on this topic, one thing that I'm really passionate about right now with, you know, I, I produce music. I also coach a lot of artists and do development. And one thing even to non-music people I tell everyone about right now is to start focusing more on the 20 years after something comes out and not the 20 weeks. We're so used to judging how well our music or our movies or art does in the first 24 hours after it comes out. As if we're like some massively signed distributed artist that can even tell that. When in reality, it's really about the time that that music has, you know, has to grow and to be amplified uh, to people's, you know, uh, Spotify players and their YouTube channels. It just it takes time for stuff to to get out to people. And you know, one thing where we're seeing right now, I, I don't know if you've been following um, the big purchase of, of rights catalogs, you know, Hypnosis,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And,
2: you know, buying up uh, rights and the, the Fleetwood Mac yeah. rights and all that stuff and I like to point out to people that when, you know, Fleetwood Mac is in the studio writing rumors, no one knew what that music was yet. They were, they, they had a following, but definitely in the moment of, be, of it being created and being incepted, there there was no value to it. It's only after time that it earned something. Even if you jump into that first five years after, say, Rumors comes out and earn however many X millions of dollars, it wasn't a hundred million dollars like they just paid for that catalog. My, my, no. You know, no. My point being is that music and art grows in value over time. And you don't know where you're going to be in 20 years. You might in five years, if you're an artist producer, you might have that hit, that thing that takes you to the top. And guess what? All that stuff you did before it comes with it. It's like any artist that blows up. You're like, oh, I love that album. You go back in time. You're like, wow, look at this first album they put out. And that first album they put out, maybe no one even heard, but now that they have some success, they can. They can it can be heard. So I really want people to, when you know, when they hear this and they hear about the opportunity just to, to not feel like, okay, I got to make it happen today. Like you have your life, you have your time. Even if you quit music, right? You're like, all right, I'm going into IT. I don't want to do music anymore. Well, guess what? Your songs still live out in the world. Your art still lives out in the world. It still has a chance to grow. And that's really the the, the saving grace I want I, I want everyone to embrace. And I'm kind of preaching to everybody because you don't need to have that pressure of trying to solve the success equation. You know, the first you know 10 minutes your song comes out, you, you have time. And the more you sort of like focus on that long-term, the, the more success you're going to have.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. And I think it, 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 and also the band grows. They grow with their own energy, their own speed. I mean, going back onto um, Bohemian Rhapsody, when they sat down with EMI and they turned to Jim Beach and said about the deal, he turned around and said, well, basically the EMI have got your, you know, (laughs) he's got your balls in the sling effectively (laughs) and you've got to, you know, you've got to deal with it. You know, no one knew of Queen at that time. No one knew of David Bowie when he was working with, you know, one of your mentors at that time, you know, they didn't know David Bowie. You 2 were coming along. They got turned down many times. So everyone has to start from somewhere. But I also think bands, because of this 15-minute culture, Brad, everyone wants to be famous tomorrow. Or they want to get 10 million, you know, streams on Spotify. Don't worry about that. Just go and hone your art, whatever that is. Look at look at most of the painters in the world. They're all, all the great painters are all passed away. But look at what the value of what their paintings fetch today. It's millions, millions of pounds. That's right. That's right. That's right. And and you know, um, and not to go to a tangent, but we're entering the era of like you
2: know non fungible tokens, NFTs. You know, placing value on on digital items. You know, we're actually you know using the blockchain to take something that you know yeah. you should be able yeah. to just copy and paste. You know, now now a digital file has value. So we're really moving to the space where you know things that mean something to somebody will have value. And the more that you embrace that and sort of see that that long term you know view of it uh the more you're going to see what you do value and if you don't value what you're doing and you can't stand by over time no one else is going to that's that's for certain
1: no no i i I completely agree with that as well and i suppose to sort of to, to go back a little bit well not not go back a little bit but to sort of dig more into your career as well brad i mean i see you've done over a thousand sessions in your career today you were former staff engineer and producer for legendary bob weir from the grateful dead so it'd be great to learn more about these experiences
2: yeah, yeah, a uh, lot of sessions, and you know, I I, I started keeping um, Henry Rollins uh, does this as well. Um, I started keeping a uh, like a running list of every every session I've been in like my entire life. You know, with my my first ones going back when I was like twelve or thirteen, and I I, I highlight that because I think for what like what most most people miss is thinking that one record or one thing you do one song sort of like is where all your craft and talent comes from, but it's really like the accumulation of all the things you do over time that really adds up to that. So, you know, when I talk about a thousand sessions or, or, you know, talk about more than that, I'm really talking about my, my life in music. And, you know, Bob Weir is part of that. Uh, Malik Youssef, who's worked with uh, yeah. Beyonce is part of that, you know, I've worked with the national, like they're, they're part of that. And also all the indie rock bands and the small like folk singers that they're all part of it. So, you know, when, when I, when I throw that number out, it's to sort of like give, Give scale to the 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 breadth of work, and not not even just for myself, but for other people, especially other producers, engineers, to look at what they're doing and to to not undervalue the small stuff, right? Like my the first band I ever recorded was called Teriyaki Unknown. I was fourteen. I recorded on like a small little Fostex MR8 like digital recorder, so so like powerful in my life, as powerful as working with Bob Weir to make his album Blue Mountain in TRI Studios, one of the most you know uh, this was twenty. 14 at the time, one of the most advanced recording studios on the planet uh, to be in that space making with him. But both those have, have merit in my life. So I just like to highlight that first um, because you never know, you know, uh, who that other, that small artist you're working with could blow up and become something. So just treat it, treat everything like it's Grateful Dead, treat everything like it's Taylor Swift. Um, but going, going back to, to Bob Weir you know, that, that was really interesting because I didn't really follow or know Grateful Dead before I started working with him. Uh, the, the sort of like context of that story was I was working with my former mentor, Stephen Hart, at a, a facility called Bay Area Sound Studios in San Rafael, California. The 2008-2009 financial crisis happened. The guy who owned that studio lost it. And one day in comes this, this crew of people like six people I'd never seen before and one guy had this really awesome beard I was like hey nice beard and I had no idea who he was and then Steven, Steven comes up to me he's like you know that's the guy from Grateful Dead right I'm like Jerry Garcia he's like no not Jerry Garcia that's fucking Bob Weir you know <laughs> that's Bob yeah. Weir right there you want you go go say hi to him and at that point, I was like, that's cool. I don't know really listen to Grateful Dead. I was just happy to, to meet some more folks. And in that moment, um, the guy who would become my next boss, John Cutler, who produced In the Dark by Grateful Dead, their only like real successful album, uh, he loved that I didn't know who Bob Weir was. He loved it. He was like, great. There's not going to be like a deadhead hippie running, you know, running around us. You know, I, I didn't really smoke pot at the time. I was like, I was the, the perfect person to come work for Grateful Dead, <laughs> come work for Bob Weir. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, My my point being with that you you never know where opportunities are going to come from. I was literally just working the front desk of that studio. I was kind of managing at the time and and in walked this opportunity that I'm still benefiting from today, you know, over 10 years later. Uh, So that that was really powerful. We did a lot of great stuff together. Um, It was wonderful to be in a situation where somebody had been so involved with analog recording, live performance, doing things the old school way who wanted to do something very new Uh, at the time. Facebook Live didn't exist yet, but Bob had built this live broadcasting place. I mean, like really intense. I don't know if in the UK you have T3 lines. T3 is like, like the, the craziest cable internet you can get in the United States, at least right now, fiber optic kind of stuff. So like really fast, like it, it was so expensive, like more than most people's houses it cost to like, you know, put this, the control room together for this place. And so yeah. it was, it was really powerful. We did a lot of live high quality performances uh, streamed live to the, to the, internet before Facebook live. So it was kind of ahead of its time. And that felt so cool to be a part of and to, you know, uh, work on this analog console but be, you know, streaming to iPhones and stuff everywhere. So that, that was really, really powerful and, and definitely you know, I mean, I keep going on, on spark. you know, it sparked a million stories off that. But um, just, just that opportunity to be in a place where sort of the past and the future we're meeting has really stuck with me as I move forward into in my own career to, you know, sh- sort of make things that are timeless and really connect with people.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I, I think picking up what you're saying as well, Brad, is that that's been a multitude of experiences that comes from actually being brought up by your mum, having a great education, you've been able to be put into that situation because... It, it's it's something that I don't devalue at all. I I value that type of connection with people and dealing with people in that way is very high because if you deal with people in a great way and a positive way, I don't mean you know just being nice and just being normal. It does tend to get you a long way, and I think that stems from you know your upbringing and who's been around you. So I think that stood you in good stead to be able to sort of walk into that situation and not be, oh okay, you know we haven't got another idiot around us today. We've got someone that's actually quite sensible. So I think that I th- I think that's a big lesson just for people coming into the industry anyway, or just want to learn a bit more. It's, it's being able to deal with people. And to be honest with you, dealing with people is is 90% of the, of the work, to be honest with you. Absolutely. It's all people. This
2: whole this whole industry is people. I mean, every industry is people, but the music industry is people. It doesn't matter how gifted you are with playing guitar or making records. If no one likes being around you, no one's going to want to be around you. And that's really the essence of it. Also, so much of like what's happened in my life, and for so many people, I know the music industry just comes from knowing somebody in the industry, right? Like knowing somebody here knowing somebody there. So few of what's happened yeah. positively for me has come from like, you know, uh, this random thing. I sort of like sent a bunch of submissions out and something came back. It's always been from either being in the right place, right time, or putting myself in the right place, right time, which, you know, like you said earlier, it can be as simple as just cold calling somebody. It's like, Hey, like, here's what we can do for you. Here's what we can do together. Do you want to try something? And I think that, you know, that that's, that's not to be overlooked and, you know, the music industry is is a it's it's a it's a no place there's there's you know far more nos than there are yeses and that can be really challenging to want to keep reaching out to keep trying but if you, if you do if you stick with it like there, there really are those chances out there for you to, to to go where you want to go.
1: I agree with that as well and I think looking at your experience with going from Bob to Malik I mean they're completely two different artists in their own right and everything in between with great unsigned acts coming through or new music coming through cuz like you say you never know where that's going to come from. So I think you know having those you know that type of sessions and all those sessions under your belt I think sort of makes it for a better better experience than the new band coming through because you've got you can pull on that experience from what you did with Malik what you did with Bob um, what you learned from your mentors it just and the band feel comfortable and then you can get more out of the band and you can push them a lot harder it's just like you say it's like doing anything it's whether you're going to be a, a car mechanic or whether you're going to be a lawyer or professional sportsman you need to be pushed and I think with the experience that you've had and and still have, I think that's a good testament to be able to get hold of a band and, and also you can hear whether how the album's gonna go, whether they're just gonna have ten fillers on an album or whether they're actually gonna have ten tracks, actually, you know, each one of them could be a single.
2: Right. You you make a great point, Pete. I think that part of this equation is being willing to push, but also being willing to be pushed. When you come into a creative environment especially if you've like gone as far as to like find somebody like myself or you know or an AR person or a consultant and you're going to hire them you're going to bring them in at that point you've already said you trust them so go ahead and just trust them fully you know there's there's always a situation in the studio like where the first you know day or two days like trust is being built you know you're sort of like like can, is this person who's running pro tools in the console or are, do they can they do what they what they say they're doing and for the producer can this artist pull off the vision that we talked all this long talk about doing and so that that kind of trust has to go both ways and, and for for artists you know you have to realize how how your music once you decide that you're going to share it with people once you decide you're going to record and put it out it's not yours anymore if you just want to make music for yourself and you just want it to be sacred and for it to be unadulterated and untouched just record it yourself put it out yourself you know and, and, and go that path you you, will, you can still be successful that way like there, there's definitely pathways of doing that will it take longer for sure is it easier with other people definitely but you can do it by yourself however if you you know really adopt this principle of of bringing people in and letting their input sort of find their way into you really magnificent things happen you know Music itself is harmony, and I really believe in, like, fractals of things, right? So whatever happens at the smallest level should happen at the biggest level. So if the song is about harmony, then the people who come around it to make it should also be in harmony, even if there's dissonance. Going back to the Fleetwood Mac thing, if you've watched how Rumors was made, there was a lot of dissonance between everybody in that process, you know? Like, there was relationship stuff going on between Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. You know, Mick Fleetwood's kid had just died. and He had been divorced. Like, there's just so much going on, and so the dissonance actually, like, really added to what that album is so you know that's that's my kind of long-winded way of saying that you you really are better off to you know embrace people's input in these situations whether it's in the studio or not And, and nowadays like it doesn't have to be as much as like, like I just came back from California, Uh, this, this band, Lenny Lou and the bird dogs. They hired me to come out to produce an engineer. We flew out there. We stayed at this big house and it was awesome to this great record. That was wonderful, but you don't have to do that. You can do that right from your house. You know, you can get on a zoom call with a great producer. So many people out there. Uh, You can go on SoundBetter.com, find somebody, email me, whatever you want. You know, you can find people though. You can get with them and get their input right as you're making music. So there's really no excuse. And, and, if again the end goal is to share this with people and to get you know to get them to to interact with it then you better start sharing with people as soon as you can start getting feedback start getting input because that's really what will help music shape up and become its its best self
1: yeah 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 And no, I definitely and i think um there's a few points there that was especially when we're talking to Alan as well. And Becky's worked with Alan for you know many years, and obviously the credits that he's done, and you know worked with so many people over 30, 40, 50 years. And he's got the same testimony as well. He said, just write the song, get the song down, write the song, let's, because you never know when that song's going to go. And, and point you made earlier as well, bro, which I completely agree with. You could write an album today and that album would sit there for 10, 15, 20 years. And like you said, you made you know reference to um, Fleetwood Mac and there's reference to many other bands, Coldplay, U2, pretty much all of them, Bob Dylan, The Stones. But those songs could sit there for years and then suddenly you you become an overnight success and people go, oh, you know, that song's done really well and it happened overnight. No, it probably took 10, 15 years for that to happen. But if you don't go into that to happen straight away if you just create your art and create the best album you possibly can and create your best live performance and just hone your skills the best you can then you will get opportunities but the the world is a or the universe is a funny way of working it, it will not let you in until it's time to let you in because you're not going to be accepted until that point and i think people struggle with that because they see you know reality tv they see want to be a 15 minute star you know they're impatient and i think sometimes that impatience is, you know, just, they just got to put up with it and actually say, well, well I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul, not for, you know, the first 10 minutes.
2: Yeah, oh, Pete, you're so right. You're so right. There, there is a timing for you in the universe. There is a timing for things to land. And, you know, like there there's more than one shot. It just comes in a different way. You might have to wait for the next time to come around, but it will come back around. Your your intention and what you want to accomplish will always be signaled into the universe, whether, whether you believe in energy and spirituality or just like, the law of probability, right? Like the the more you put yourself out there and do something, the more something's going to be returned. And that, that really is for anybody in the music industry, is just kind of what you have to, um, you know, what you have to embrace. Like maybe it's called the law of averages or or whatnot, Uh, but but, but definitely, you know, I I think, you know, speaking to that, it's, it's very easy to be overwhelmed by where you're not, especially if you're, if you're on TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're on social media, you're seeing all these artists blow up. you're like, well, why hasn't happened for me yet? Well, you're not that person. It's really important to remember that your path is your own, which is terrifying and awesome at the same time. So if you carve something out for yourself, it's yours, and you get to own it and keep it, and no one can really follow in those footsteps. They can sort of like follow nearby, but it's it's your pathway. So it should make sense to you when you try to follow someone else's pathway and you go the wrong way, you follow the wrong map, because that was that's for somebody else. It's not it's not for you. Um, you know, we see all all kinds of signs like that all throughout when we're when we're driving our cars, right? Like some signs are for us, some signs aren't. There's there's signs that facing the way we're going on the road and signs that aren't right so you really have to pay attention to what's around you and sort of take those into account instead of judging yourself against other people and where you think you should be because that that never leads anywhere i mean it, it, it's 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 incredibly easy now, especially like, like the older you get, like I'm, I'm 33, I'll be 34 this year. You know, it's really easy to look at like a 19-year-old producer and be like, well, dang, like, wh- why, why wasn't I this big a 19? Why didn't this happen? Well, it's like, that's not my pathway. That's not Brad Dollar's pathway. But you also look back, you're like, well, what was I doing in 19? It's like, oh, I was working with Stephen Hart. I, would, I just, you know started this this program, like getting a bachelor's in audio engineering. Like you have to be very grateful for what you have and not to be bitter about what you don't have. I think that's the most important thing in the music industry because people can feel that when they, when they sense that you're sort of like, you know, yeah, bitter because you don't have something like that's the biggest turnoff to everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. And I mean, just with, um, what Becky and I decided to do in the pandemic, I know we touched on this as well, but well, that's why we decided to do the podcast, program because we thought, well, hang on a minute. Um, it's going to be difficult for this next year. There's no live stuff. You know, films and TV shows have been difficult. So it's, it's difficult with songs, even though you can still talk to supervisors and music consultants, and that's fine. But we didn't want to stagnate, and that's why why we did it. And, you know, we did it on the basis of thinking, well, actually, we've got a lot of knowledge. We've got people that we know that have got a lot of knowledge. So let's just do something.
2: Yeah, no, you, you did the absolute right thing. And I, I think the essence of what you did is that you, both you and Becky jumped in, you saw, you know, you know, so I, I like to think about it like March, March 14th was kind of like the pandemic start. Yeah. So a lot yeah. Of sort of happened. I mean, you saw then you're like, we better get right into this and better make it happen. And that's, that speaks so much to who you are and to what you're doing. I think a lot of people felt that. And it's important to understand if you felt that because many, many more people did not. I watched many people for the first five or six months of the pandemic just kind of flounder. Just, you know, um, they call it the OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, act. And everyone okay. <laughs> everyone, everyone uh, experiences different forms of that. Like if, when you, like right now, like, you know, uh, we're, we're talking and I'm, I'm observing, I'm orienting, deciding where I'm at, and I, then I make a decision about what I want to say, then I act on it, right? When the pandemic happened, everyone just kind of got stuck in like jaw drop, observe phase and didn't move into like, okay, where am I at? What am I going to do? What actions do I place? And, and what that opened up was for is uh, a is a place for people like yourself, for me, to jump in and to answer that calling to be there for people. When the pandemic started, my initial reaction was like, I need to jump in and be there for people. I understood that my knowledge, my experience, what I had been through would be of value to people, and my ability to you know, com- compile that knowledge into something that was, you know, sort of educational. Um, to kind of jump around a little bit, in 2013, uh, I helped co-develop this place in Oakland, California called Zoo Labs, which is a nonprofit music accelerator. And uh, Vanessa Watson and Dave Watson are the, um, the original founders of that. And they brought me in to help design the music program and, and to, to make it come to life. And what it was built on was teaching music business to artists. And teaching, not even just music business, but just business, how to like, how to really be a strong startup, how to go from, you know, fishing in the sea to actually like having a strong haul of something that, you know, is going to be, you know, fruitful and and feed you for your whole life. And, you know, for me, going back to like what you said earlier, like I had a powerful upbringing, so many great opportunities. I'm aware that I had help. But others didn't. I'm super aware that you know my my opportunities are presented to me as you know as, as a white male in the United States are different than people of color in the same place. And so, uh, going going back and sort of zooming out from that, I also know there's so many creative people, regardless of background, who don't have education around finance, who don't have education around strategy, who don't have education around business. Because I was also one of them. So Zoolabs really came about in 2013 to sort of like create that inroad for digestible knowledge that would help people. And so fast forward to 2020, you know, all that time spent developing artists in Zoolabs, you know, I think we did over, over 300 different teams of creative people, 30 different music startups. Um, we had some Grammy nominations, uh, incredible like Grammy producers came through. We did some hardware products. Uh, there's this company called Electro Spit that came out of it. It was started by Bosco Conte. It's like a mobile talk box. I mean, the list goes on and on. That's where how I met Malik Youssef. Uh, just so much came out of it. And so kind of building upon that, just we built upon all of our experiences when the pandemic kicked off, I was like, well, now it's it's time to really bring that knowledge to people. And it's really sort of like, you know, help people see how these dots connect. And now you come forward to now, if you don't have that sort of like business strategy, even like on a simple level as an artist, you're not doing anything right now. And and that that's, that's terrifying. But I will say to that, if artists really like take a step back, they'll see they're already doing business. They're already acting like entrepreneurs. They're already, you know, creating ecosystems for financial abundance. They're just sort of doing it Unaware and now we're in a place where you can do it you know, more more intentionally, more thoughtfully and so I think this whole era this whole, this whole opportunity we're in right now is a chance to to do that and to, to lean into being entrepreneurs and uh, again super long-winded but that's that's something I'm really excited about and really like I like highlighting for people because um, you know the the entrepreneurial artist is the gateway to the, the next sort of pathway in music.
1: No, no, no. Again, I echo that. And I'm glad you brought that up with Zulabs because I was just about to ask you that as well, Brad. So that's really... For me, I find that really um, energised and exciting because, you know, when I first came into the business and no one really taught me any at that beginning, then you sort of learn and then you meet a few people and, and you learn a bit more, you make mistakes and you learn a bit more. And that's one of the prime reasons of putting back into community now, because your knowledge, my knowledge, Becky's knowledge, your colleagues' knowledge, you don't realise the power you've got until you sit down with somebody and that new band or that new artist or the new manager or someone wants to go into music supervision or wants to be an agent, you know, you, you forget what's in your head and you start coming out of this information and you, and you walk away and you think, hang on a minute, actually, I do know quite a lot. Um, <clears> so how, how did I learn all of this? And suddenly it just all comes to, comes to one space. And I think by doing what you've done at Zoo Labs and working with the team and, and helping create the next community and the bands and artists coming through, I think it's a good thing because even if you've got one artist that comes through and has on, a, on an incredible career, it doesn't mean to say that all the others have failed. It just means to say that they may moved in a different direction to do other things, but they still got that, that knowledge of how business works on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's really invaluable. Um, and I think the music industry has been so secret over the years because, you know, agents won't talk to managers and yeah. live agents don't really want to talk to labels and labels don't really care apart from selling records. And then, the label doesn't really talk to you, but they know what record that they want. So they're telling you what they sort of want, but they don't really know what they want until they hear it. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. Who's going to pay for the time in the studio? Because this is costing me X amount of dollars per day. And then the band turns up late because they have no idea why they're there. It just goes round and around in circles. And you think you've got to grab it, put it all together and make, and make it happen. And it's not an easy thing to do to explain to a new band. And then they walk away and think, oh my God, how does this business work? And you can see why it's quite frightening to a lot of people, really. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a lot of um, I think we're finally at the era of like the 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 vicious circle is coming to a close because it is sort of like that you you know as a as an early stage artist you're sort of aware of what's happening in the music industry and you sort of make kind of make your your, your stake in the ground okay I'm not going to do that and then the oper- the check comes the check comes that says hey we're going to give you this amount of money to do this and you're like all of a sudden you're like well maybe I can do it and then you're in this position where you've pretty much signed over your entire business and now you're you're now you're an employee you've kind of gone from like being your own boss to being an employee. And that's kind of like where you stay. And, you know, I I think that, you know, know, the, the major labels and the the major music industry, at least for the next, you know, few years, it's always going to have a place, you know, it's, they have so much access, so much network and so many connections and things like that. But you can have the music industry, you can have the labels as a partner. They don't have to be your boss anymore. And I think that's where where we're at now where people can kind of see that and to what you just said, like you as an artist, no matter if what your genre, where you're at, you're in charge of building yourself up to that point where you can even get signed in the first place. It's not like the old days where you know you can you can bust a demo out of the garage and then like someone's gonna fall in love with it and sign you and then you'll then you'll go through the whole thing. It's 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 not like that. It's like you build yourself up to then become that employee of the music industry of the of the label. So it kind of begs that question of like what, well then what do you really want out of it if you're gonna go to that 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 point of building your own audience your own business. Why not just hold on to your business? Why not find other ways of working out deals and working on things? And so it 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 it's daunting because it requires, you know, artists to think more about, you know, like kind of like the the quote unquote icky business side, but it really sets us all up to succeed and have a much more fruitful career where we own our rights longer, you know, we 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 actually make more money for ourselves and make more money for other people and and all that. And, on on that note too, it's really important to highlight this this business side of music, not just for the creative people and the producers, but for everybody else in the world listening, that music really does create an economy. And the music business is an economy. I, I just saw some study the United States government just did where like every dollar spent on music generates like a dollar fifty in the economy. I mean I, I know so many artists who you're they 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 can barely pay their rent and they hire people they they hire producers and engineers and assistants and photographers they create jobs they feed people they're so they're so giving and that is an important point not to be missed because there's so many people out there creating you know a whole ecosystem for sustainability and they're just and they're just independent artists and we sort of like the populace expects everyone just to blow up oh, go be in a major label go, go do this thing but the reality is the, the real heavy lifting the real like powerful inspiring stuff is happening on a grassroots level and the more that we as a society pay attention to that i think the more value music is going to have in general
1: yeah yeah i i, I think so and i think also a, a point you sort of pick up what you said earlier as well brad is the fact that you no, know, they can hold on to their rights a lot longer they don't have to go and sell their soul to the devil anymore um and as you, you know, you've highlighted, you know, major labels are there to exist. They do a great job. You know, they can cross you over very, very quickly. And the network is huge. But the independent act now coming through has got, got a lot more. They can come to somebody like you. They can record their album. They can pay for it. They still own the rights they can set up their their website they can set up their their merchandise they can actually get their social media again they've paid for all that so they own all of that so they've got that platform already then it's a case of obviously you know with live at the moment it's a little bit difficult but when that comes around again they've got that access and ability so they're not giving any of their rights away and then what we've learned and certainly what a lot of acts have learned over the you know the last several years is music supervision and placement in tv and film is a great place to be because you can actually be found buy a new tv show a new independent movie if you're lucky enough to get a blockbuster then then fantastic but that opens up the doors for an awful lot and um i think that's a great way for bands and artists to go because it, it's you can create hit singles just from being on the tv show
2: yes yes and, and and to that note i think it's really important for every creator and and like all the stuff i'm talking about everything we're talking about these are like staple foundational principles in other industries tech lawn care automotive like of course you don't move forward without really knowing who your fans are of course you don't you know try to like you know sell a product without really having developed it and built it up yourself first so like a, a lot of this stuff is is like really obvious in other music and in other industries and it's kind of like it's on the music industry now to sort of like catch up and and reapply some of those things and and sort of realize like you know like it, it doesn't have to be like the old way if that makes any sense
1: yeah yeah and i think um touching on the point we were speaking about earlier as well you made a point of, um, you know, with film, and if you just got a silent movie, it doesn't actually quite work. But when you've got that music to it, you've got the emotion, you've got the, got the, what's actually happening in that scene. And I think it does drive the whole element through the movie. And I think without you know music in a movie, it doesn't actually quite work. So music is, across everyone's life, whether you celebrate a birthday, whether you're you're get married or whether whatever it is, it, music is always there. And people have always got their favourite songs, whichever situation they've been in, they will recall that song. So I think... Mm. I've just had several conversations over the years as well, Brad, with some of my friends that love music, don't understand the music industry. Some of them didn't want to understand the music industry, but a couple of them did. When I explained it to them, they was like, oh my God, we, we had no idea how it works. I said, well, no, you don't until you're actually in industry. I don't understand what you do day to day because it's not my job. But I think people on the outside think people that work in the music industry or entertainment are just you know awash with money or their career is fantastic or everyone's having a happy life when you're right it's sometimes difficult and it's a it's a it's a tough business to be in like anything it's 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 24 7 and sometimes you get a little bit of luck and sometimes you know you don't
2: mm-hmm. absolutely and it's also a game of fishing too you know like as a as someone who runs their own their own music business inside of the industry you know the the opportunities that i have today that are paying the bills they didn't show up yesterday they showed up months ago years ago right and sometimes it takes a while to sort of get those things to to you know to to be reeled up out of the ocean some things are at the closer to the surface some things are deeper down it just depends how how long do you want to reel that fishing line for how how bad do you want that thing at the bottom and you know that's that's the the most important thing to embrace and again i'm just not to sound like a broken record here but just the the time the, the 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 power of time to amplify what goes on around you right like if you if you're willing to wait and be patient, then yeah, put, put your fishing poles out there. Like you're, you're gonna get yeah. bites on every single one of them if you're patient enough. And then you just need to be ready to, to reel them up. And so I think that like, there's like the thing that music the music industry gets really right is being ready. Like, okay, be ready, get your tracks together, take it seriously, like this could happen tomorrow. Like that part is really important. And when you pair that with patience, like when you pair preparation with patience, then you're really ready to meet opportunities. Kind of going to music supervision, there's never been a time where anything I've like pitched or had placed was something that like someone like wrote me an email said, Hey, do you, can you make me a track like this? And I'll try to place it. I've done lots of those. None of those have ever been placed. The stuff that gets picked up, it's stuff I it already had, right? Like when a, <laughs> yeah. uh, when a, uh, uh, I'm working with someone from Warner Asia right now. And so when they ask me for a track, like if I don't have a track for them, I sort of like miss that opportunity. It's not about like, they're not gonna say, hey, make this kind of track like this. They're just gonna say, do you have any tracks like this? Or Malik. Malik often will go into a session, you know, do something like Universal Music Group and like Bradham in the studio, can you send me some tracks? If I don't have something in that five minutes, he's going to move on. He'll, he'll ask me again later. And it's not like the opportunity is gone forever. But being ready to send something, being ready to help, being ready to jump in, that's where the—that's where that, that magic really happens. And, you know, all, any great opportunity I've ever had is really just about being present and being, like, ready to receive it. Which, again, if you're prepared and patient, you'll, you'll, you'll succeed when you get it.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think on the other side, from the, from the music supervision perspective, some of the guys that we work with, they're so busy as well, um, Brad, that they, they haven't got time for you to go and create the song. They just want to know, is it cleared? Is the metadata? Do you own the publishing? Is, it, is the copyright cleared? There's no other rights. Is it a one-stop shop? They just want to know that, that basically, yeah, we'll go to Brad because we know everything's all good and away we go. They they haven't got time to go, well, do you want it in this vein? Do you want it in that vein? Because they've, they're they dealing with another seven, eight, nine, ten you know, movie, TV projects, they just haven't got time.
2: Right, right. And you're, you're one of thousands of people on, on hard drives over the years of so much music that's been sent to them, they've processed, they've thought about. And the only thing you really have in your favor, and whether you're pitching music for supervision or you're trying to get signed, you're trying to get a tour, is just to bring that other person as much value as possible. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Gary Vee, uh, I, I, lo- I love his, his thoughts on strategy and, and on bringing yep. value to people. He has a book called The Thank You Economy. It's kind of, mm-hmm. It's kind of a little bit old at this point. it's like 2010, 2011, but it really is about just focusing on bringing value to people and, and bringing them something that will really help them in their life. And if you come from that standpoint, like as a music supervisor, if you bring them, hey, here's this track, it's totally cleared. Also, if you follow that link, there's a bunch of alternate mixes that don't have drums. If you want to try that, if you just like, like front load it with value, you will always receive that value back if not magnified. And that's really what people are looking for you never know what's going to be a yes and when i think that when you can really make sure that you're giving as much as you can up front that that's really what triggers that yes and, and people see that supervisors see that editors see that and even if they say no to you if you send them that message and it's like everything's cleared here's a link to all this stuff they appreciate that and they'll remember you next time like they want to come look for something yeah um i'll also say on on that note too in the music industry it's just the way that music is not made by one person there's more than one person you know a music supervisor has music editors they've got the print master they've got the director they've got the producer they've got the money like so many yeses and no's have to happen before they say like yes or no to your track and so i think that's really important to remember like you're not just talking to one person so as much as you can make that person you're interfacing with like your you know uh your ally and someone who's just really going to advocate for you the the better it's going to be um the the biggest problem like that I think is in the music industry and the biggest thing that is, uh, that's annoying to me is people kind of come with their hand out like I want something here give yeah. me thing I I made I made the song so give me the opportunity when like I would just ask people like do you give anybody anything when they come with their hand out <laughs> like when someone asks you for money on the street, like it's, like it's like a 50-50, you're going to give them something. You're like, do I really want to give them something? But if they bring you value, like right, if someone like, performs in the street or maybe they have a sign that says, like, I love you, thank you so much for everything, you're like, yeah, I'll give you a dollar. Thank you for that positive energy, right? If you just bring something to people in the beginning, you're so much more likely to receive. And I think anyone listening to that, if you just kind of operate from that standpoint, if, you just, if your only business principle is bring more value than you receive, you're, you're always going to win.
1: I echo that as well, uh, Brad. I think um, over the years, as, Different people that I've worked with, and sometimes there's, there's good energy, and sometimes there's not good energy, and the people that haven't got the good energy are not really around anymore. So that sort of says a lot, really. And I think going into your producing and engineering side of it as, as well, Brad. I mean, who would you most like to produce and engineer today? You've, you you know you obviously worked with Bob, and you work with Malik. Is there, is there any opportunities to work with Malik again, or any, uh, have you got the great unsigned band coming at the moment, the new music? Who would um, who would you most like to work with now? This
2: is the hardest question that you're going to ask me. Uh,
1: I uh, I, 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 think about this, I
2: think about this a lot, right? Because it's, it's important. Like, where, where am I pointing myself in my life? Like, this isn't just a fantasy question. This is like, where are you pointing yourself in your life to where you want to go? And so I, I, it's kind of funny to say this, but I always come back to Taylor Swift almost every single time I come back to Taylor Swift and I come back to her because her prowess with her craft, every time I read about somebody working with her, like there was just an article in um, tape op, great recording magazine uh, with Jack Antonoff, one of my favorite producers talking about working with her and talking about like how, like, powerful it was and how she would just come with ideas and she is always flexible and ready to like make things happen and I experienced that with a lot of artists but to have artists have that kind of output over time you know she's been through you know two or three different like revolutions of the music industry since she started Uh, I I just I have so much respect for I know there's always controversy and like you know back and forth and politics around her and like whatever I don't care her art and the way she approaches her craft is obvious otherwise she wouldn't still be in the field I also really appreciate her her approach to her music business and i think that really makes a lot of sense to me i love that she's like hey i don't own the rights to these old songs anymore i'm just going to go ahead and re-record them i love that she did that and i also love that she you know she i think i think she re-signed with like a a a a uk variant of her label versus the u.s variant because it had it was a better deal for her like i I love those decisions so taylor swift is up there you know um han zimmer is up there I'm so I've been so moved by his music over the years. I think that's somebody who's really like pivoted well over time. Um, Drake, I mean, love to work with Drake. I think that his ability to collaborate with so many different people really inspires me. And then just just to, to satisfy my 13 year old self, I mean, I have to say Metallica. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're they're kind of my Rolling my Rolling Stones, and uh, I really appreciate their evolution over the years. They've definitely survived so much hardship. Uh, they've survived many different revolutions in the music industry and you know, they're, they're their own business. I really appreciate that. And they, they, um, you know, during the pandemic, they were one of the first bands to try to figure out how to do like the live performance thing safely for a whole crew. You know, they did the drive-in theater thing. You can find them on YouTube. Just like they, they, they're always pioneers. So they're, they're at the top of my list. So yeah, Taylor Swift, Hans Zimmer, Drake, Metallica, that would be, that'd be great. If I I could hit those four, I'd die a happy
1: man. You never know what's trying to call, but again, it's always good to ask people different things because I never knew you were going to say Taylor Swift. And, and you are right. She's actually very business savvy. And I think that's a message to pastor, you know, established creatives as well as new creatives coming in. You've got to understand the business. And I think by pivoting, being able to sign to, to a UK label and to be able to re record, she re recorded the songs because she can actually go and re release them herself and she's not tied in. So it's actually quite a, a very savvy business decision. I think they're the tiny little things that people have to understand about this business. And over time, some artists that do, and some artists, unfortunately um, they don't. That's right. And you know, when, when an artist makes a move like that,
2: that has trickle down effects, like all the way down the pipeline, you know, uh, kind of going, going back a little bit to like Nipsey Hussle, you know, rest in peace, you know, that, yeah. that, that guy's focus on being a very savvy business entrepreneur around his music that that's having ripple effects throughout the industry. You know, now like when you know a big hip hop artist gets signed, they sort of feel motivated to do what he did, like go open an apartment complex and create low income housing for the people in his neighborhood. Um, yeah. You know, his yeah. his sort of process around his mixtapes. Like you know, we talked earlier about NFTs, non fungible tokens. His mixtapes he put out, like that's like one of the earlier versions of that, right? Like I'm gonna make a thousand digital mixtapes and sell them for whatever he sold them for. I mean, he made like a million bucks off that to his own name so I mean there's there's so much around that around what people do that you know it's easy to judge or be hard about but just, if you wait another two years that's going to be commonplace um, and I, I, I feel that way right now with like social media a lot I, a lot of artists are exhausted by social media they're exhausted by the prospect of what it takes to really sort of like commandeer the algorithm but you still need to do it, you know, like something like TikTok, like, you know, a lot of people are very, you know, judgmental over like the, you know, the younger crowd, you know, the, the, the sub twenties right now, you know, on the platform, kind of like they're, they're just dancing. They're just doing that. Well, maybe they are just dancing, but they have audiences of millions of people who care about what they do don't you want that don't you want to figure out how to do that so you have an audience for your art and your music and the sooner like people can embrace that and get on it like the same way that's you know nipsey hustle sort of embraced like when we sell these digital mixtapes the sooner we can embrace these things that the more successful we're going to be earlier and so i think anytime we see somebody that we're sort of like we feel judgment against we should try to look a little deeper and see like what is it about what they're really doing that we can learn from and uh and, and adopt
1: yeah, that's a good point as well brad because i think we can take from the experience of the world to the new people coming in. I think if, if like you you made a really good point, actually, you know, with the TikTok phenomenon and the sub 20 year old male and female, if you get, they get behind you um, and they support what you're doing, you know, that could be an army of, you know, not just thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people supporting what you do. So I think there's, there's relevance in everything that people do. And I think it, it isn't about why haven't I got this, you know, the handout all the time, I've just recorded a great song. Who cares? No one knows who it is, but in 10 years' time, that song might get to be placed in a movie and a TV show. You just gotta be patient. And unfortunately, some people are not that patient, unfortunately.
2: That's right. Yeah, we sort of live in Amazon culture where it's like we expect things to happen overnight. And, you know, like again, music is a sacred thing. And the, the business, even though it's a business, it's still it's still music and things take time. It doesn't it doesn't materialize like everything else. Like it's not an it's not an app. Music the music industry is not an app, it's a bunch of people doing the thing together i think it's really important to, to remember that and to and to let that carry into what you do as an artist and as a creator as a producer like it's about people it's not about trying to like make this some like hot automatable app service kind of thing like you could definitely bring those elements into what you do i mean i think every artist should you know learn a little more about amazon web services and automation and stuff like that it's powerful but at the end of the day it's a very like one-to-one person thing and the more you spend in that one-to-one person environment the more the more success you're going to have
1: yeah yeah no exactly and with all the sessions you've done as well brad i mean I, I suppose one of the other points to ask you is have you had any bands that have come that have been a real pain in the neck that you've had to sort of dealt with a little bit strongly or, or you just said to them there's the door you know i don't want to work with you see you later how have you been able to deal with those those sort of types of situations
2: i i, I look at them as great challenges um there's only <laughs> there's only one artist i've actually like walked away from a session uh from and um I won't expose her name, but she she was just not ready to go to the studio. Just not not ready. Not ready to come record. Not ready and the songs weren't ready. She wasn't ready with her with her craft. Just not ready. So there's only really been one. And um, anytime I've worked with an artist or a band whereas, you know, there there was that personality. You know I'm, I'm a very compassionate empathetic person and you know in, in music especially coming back to the fact this is a business for so many people you just don't understand the pressure someone might be under you know the financial pressure a lot of artists over leverage themselves um a lot of artists you know go into debt to make records and it can be very stressful if it's not coming out the way that they imagine so i really just try to come at it from their standpoint and when it's challenging i have to remember that you know i'm not the one that's going to go tour this perform this sell this i i really have to be in service of them and that's the that's the mistake most producers are making is that they think that that music is theirs unless it's your track that you created and you're putting out and it's like you know your name featuring artists like then it's not your music. It's, it's 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 that artist you're helping, it's their music. And so if they want to be a diva, if they want to be aggressive or whatever, like it's up to you to view your tolerance, how much you want to go with that. You know, I mean, we should be respectful to one another. Um, luckily, I don't feel like I've ever been disrespected by an artist, again, knock on, knock on wood. Um, but there's been moments of like trying times and, you know, especially, you know, when it comes down to like the business side of things, like, okay, how much money do you deserve? You know, what are the points? All that kind of stuff. But you still have to kind of come back to the standpoint of like, you know, you always have the opportunity to set the tone for what you want to happen in the beginning. So if something negative happens, you have to take it upon yourself responsibility of like, okay, I must have not been clear enough. I must have not communicated enough. And then to pick up from right there and try to fix it. And so I think for me, just sort of being really tuned into, you know, pleasing people and be, providing a customer service, I think it's helped me to sort of na- navigate around a lot of those issues and, and then ultimately end up making great art. The other thing too is like artists, bands, producers, it doesn't matter if they love you, like there's another dynamic going on with their people. So many bands have their own dynamic, they have their own thing they're working on, you know, they, they listen to this person's ideas but not this person's ideas or like, you know, this person's songs are always what's being recorded but not this per- there's always something and so th- I think that It's important to remember that when you come into any situation in the studio or any creative environment that there are many other things going on and it's kind of your responsibility if you're going to be that creative guy to sort of like see those and then use those to your advantage. I think uh, Sir George Martin was excellent at that. He's so good at like knowing what's going on with the Beatles and using that to their advantage to actually make great art. So I think that's where a producer or any kind of like a or consultant can really, you know, be helpful is just to read the room and then, you know, apply to that room appropriately.
1: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Because I think, you know, you've touched on a point as well where you know, a lot of bands that I've come across and worked with, you know, they take out loans from the bank, they borrow money, they want to get the best possible products, they want to get a great album. And, you know, I, th- I also think as well it's part of the process for a band to be able to do that so that they actually are, you know, taking it seriously to, to, you know, to do the point. Do you ever get bands as well that have approached you that say, look, we've only got this amount of money, Brad, could you do it for this? And we'll give you points on the album or... You know, are you quite flexible sometimes or, do, or does it depend on the situation at the time?
2: Yeah, um, I've gone back and forth a lot on this. You know, in the in the beginning, you know, when you're starting out, you, it's kind of one of your only options is to like work for cheap and trade points. Um, yeah. The reality is that, you really cannot predict what's going to become a success. And I don't care if you're a signed artist. There's a, going back to Tape Op, my favorite magazine, there's an article yeah. with Ricky Reed who produced Lizzo and in the recent issue. And he talks about like, in the songs that I thought were going to be big, were never big. And the songs that are, you know, uh, that are big, I didn't know. Like he talked about Truth Hurts by Lizzo. He's like, we didn't know that song was going to be big. It just was. And it, was, it wasn't it was big until two years after they made it. Um, so, you know, I, I just try to think about it from from that standpoint of like, you know, you just, you just don't, you don't really know what something's going to become and, and to, you know, just, just approach it from, from that standpoint. Um, does that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I think, I think, I think it's just being flexible and being able to look at the opportunity and, and what's in front of you, but yeah, no, I do, I do agree. And I think touching on another point as well, Brad, what would you be doing right now if it wasn't for your music career? Is there anything else you would have gone down or was it always music from day one? I know we sort of spoke it, you know, from an early age, was it always the music path?
2: Ah, oh, such a good question, Pete. Um, well, you know, to be truthful, like there have been moments in my life where I'm like, is music the right thing? And I think anyone who is in music experienced thing, I sort of call it the call. Like, music called me, and I've tried to hang up on her, and she won't let me. She calls me right back. She's like, you know, I need you. So, <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, I haven't really had that moment in a long time. I was really surprised during the pandemic. I was like, to feel that sense of like, okay, I got to jump in and, and do this. Um Kind of feeling, but I think that if I was going to do something else, even though music has been a big part of my life, it would be in somewhere around like you know helping people explore and uncover new possibilities. Like that's my favorite part about the process because I have so many so much experience, I can really see the forest for the trees. Like I can hear a song, I can know what's going to become. I can see an artist on TikTok just playing acoustic guitar and be like, oh, this is this is going to be great. And so I really love helping people see the possibilities that are in front of them and almost because I feel responsible to it. It's like, it's like if I see somebody with like toy paper on their shoe, like I'm going to tell you, I want you to, I want you to get it off your shoe. If I see a way that someone can really become better in their craft, like I, I feel, you know, really, really eager to, to tell them. So I think if it wasn't music, it would be, you know, it, it would be some sort of like people activation, um, you know, kind of in, in the last like, couple of years, I've been really excited to help like, um, like CEOs and CFOs and people in like tech who want more creativity in their life. They want to be more positive. They want to empower more people. I love talking to those individuals because they kind of have everything already. They're wealthy. You know, they've got companies. I look to them like, oh, why are you talking to me? You know, like you're so successful. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to, to them, I bring them something that they can't get otherwise. They can't get that kind of dose of reality kind of dose of positivity that that different lens on things. So I think I would continue to help people see a, a different lens on things, and if not that, um growing something i mean i would I, I could definitely see myself being a farmer or being like a gardener, something like that something where you' you know you're you're enriching something from a seed and growing into something very powerful that you know can be uh you know beneficial in your life. so probably something there, but um just to kind of top that off. In my career, I've gone around a very holistic circle in the music industry. You know, I started playing music and then I started engineering music and then I started producing and I started doing like, you know, building companies and I started, you know, doing coaching and development. So, like I, I going back to what I said, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's all the revenue streams, all the stuff that comes together to make that ecosystem for yourself. So, I think that as I've encountered like, okay, what else do I want to do? I've just found a way to fold that into what I do in, inside the music industry. And, and that's been the most exciting thing for me um, so far. So I, I look forward to, to continuing to do that.
1: Yeah, no, no, I think i think um, t- touching on what you what you said, I, I grew up on a farm and my dad uh, managed a farm for a long, long time. And uh, that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. And uh, he, no, 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 he said to me, no, no, you can't. You know, I don't want you working on a farm. There's no money in it. And he was actually quite right. But coming back from the, you know, the, sort of the energy perspective and just working on the land, you know, you can't really beat that because there is a lot of energy and a great vibe to that. Um, mm-hmm. I can understand where you're coming from on that perspective, but my mum and dad were like, "No, no, no, we want you to go." You know, and I ended up working obviously in this in this industry. But I think, I think also as well, Brad, another point you sort of touched on, you maybe not, you may not have recognised it, but being able to communicate with people, I've always said, you know, it's it's, it's I think it's a strength you can't buy. I think if you can communicate with people at different levels. If you can walk into a room and talk to us, you know, CEO. And you can talk to a chairman of a board, but you can also talk to the security and the people that are serving the tea and coffee in a really, you know, um, energized and professional, but kind way. I don't think there's much wrong you can't achieve. It's just always people can be in front of you and want to stop you because of they can't do what you can do. And I think that's a big, you know, it's a, I think it's a big given in this world to be able to interact with people in a, in a proper way and communicate, I think is is a skill that you just can't teach people. And I firmly believe that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, some people are people people and some people aren't. I mean, like, you know, uh, I may seem like an extrovert, but in a lot of ways, like, I'm kind of like an introvert because I like close one-on-one connection. I, I love doing this. But, you know, you can you can really expand that. And, and like you just said, like, that can be carried into a bunch of different one-on-one rooms with people and things like that. And if you're not a person like that, like, that's totally okay. It's okay to be introverted and to, you know, maybe feel nervous about talking to people. But, you know, it's... it's sort of like not an excuse anymore because there's so many other ways of communicating. Like if you don't like talking, you can write. If you don't like, you know, talking live in person, you can make a video, uh, you know, you can make, you know, text-based kind of photos and things like that. There's so many different ways to communicate and the the, the closer you can do it in a way that feels authentic to you, the better. Like I, I, I truly deeply love being a part of people's stories and understanding what, what's going on, because I can learn from them. Um, one, one of my, um, my sort of great inspirations from that is this guy, AJ Santella. AJ is Bob Weir's guitar tech. And if you were to, if you were to look at AJ's resume in his life, you would be like, what, what, what can this guy not do? You know, he's like been like on a shrimping boat. He like worked on a ranch. Uh, he's been Bob Weir's guitar tech. And even while he was Bob Weir's guitar tech, him and Jeff Cominti, who's Bob's uh, piano player, uh, they invented, there's a technical name for what they invented, but it's, they call it the nose pickle. And it's this little, this little plastic pad you put on your nose for sleep apnea patients. So they wear, they wear a mask oh. on their face and oftentimes the mask on their face can like cause bruising on like the bridge of their nose. It's really, really painful. Jeff's mom had sleep apnea. And so they designed this thing it, and it was just a, it's just this little piece of plastic and they sold that thing for millions of dollars to some big medical company. And so now you have this guy who's backstage changing Bob Weir's guitar strings, is a millionaire and, and is, uh, has this, this past of doing all these different kinds of things. And, and you would see that manifest. Like, I won't forget this time where in Bob's studio, um, the very tall ceilings, like, like 20, 30 foot tall ceilings. And we had big, uh, big warehouse uh, kind of like shelving, like you see it, like a, like a big department, you know, like Costco or a big kind of warehouse store. And we would yeah, store yeah. all the gear we weren't actively using up there. So all the touring gear, the road cases. And you look up on these shelves, be like how did any of that stuff get up there? And then here comes AJ and he's got like, he called it like the, you call it like the, like the pyramid builder. And it was just like this crane that he built out of just like scraps for raising like big heavy road cases up 20 feet onto these shelves. And he would just do it by himself. And it was so amazing. I was like, how do you know how to do that? How do you how do you know how to how to to, how to bring it into your life? And so I think that kind of going back to what we were saying about, you know learning from people talking to people like now he's in my brain so now when i encounter something like it just snowed like crazy here in nashville you know like problem solving brad comes on like okay like what would aj do you know how what's what's my pyramid builder to like get the car out of the driveway you know like all, all those kinds of things so i think it's really important as you meet people especially from a, from different industries just try to absorb as much of their stories as you can and share as much of your story as you can because that's really where like that human connection comes from and where relationships are really built
1: yeah no that's that's, that's a really good point as well brad and that's sort of takes me to a point where um where i grew up and there was a, a sort of big city to next to where i i lived and there was this this old gentleman and he would go up the high street and it's quite a long high street but a couple of miles long and he would actually clean all the windows and i used to see him every day speak to him yeah uh, sadly he's passed away now but um yeah really nice really nice old boy and um you know people buy him a cup of tea come out for food with him and then i bumped into a mate of mine and he told oh, you, you you know George is you know multi-millionaire that cleans all the shop windows i said no, no idea. He said, Yeah, he owns about 100 properties. Um, he owns about six companies and he cleans every single window on this high street for nothing. Doesn't want any money for it. He just does it because he enjoys it. And I was like, Wow. But a lot of people that would pass that high street, um, Brad, and see him, they would just think he, that's what he does for a living. They wouldn't know the, his backstory of what he's done. And you think, you know, he owns 100 properties and he's, he owns six companies and he's done this. And you think, Wow, that's just just
2: mad. Yeah, you don't know who anybody is. I mean, like, you really don't know. Going back to my story of Bob Weir, like, I didn't know that was Bob Weir. I didn't no. know, like, you know, like, when, when aliens land on Earth, they're going to know, like, about, like, Grateful Dead, the Beatles, and Star Wars, right? Like, like he's in that pantheon of, like, things that are, like, memorable from, like, humankind. Yeah. And yeah. I had no idea who he was. And then look what happened. You know, it turned into this whole thing. Let alone him. I didn't know who John Cutler was, who actually is the guy who gave me that job. You know, I, you, don't, you don't know who you meet. And so I think in the music industry especially, just be really, really humble and do not think that you know more than somebody else. Or even if you're like, I'm ahead of this person, like tomorrow that person could be ahead of you, right? Like yeah. if it's on TikTok, yeah. you know, who are getting signed. Like if you see them in the streets, you're like, like, forget that kid. Like, who, who is he? But like, he might be a millionaire, you know? Like he, he might have the exact connections that you need. And I think if there's anything that we're learning now from music industry and just the, how closely we are connected, it's that everyone is really just one email away. And whatever opportunity you want is just about you reaching out and trying to get it.
1: Well, I, uh, no, that's right. And I, I um, spoke with a chap just before Christmas, actually, and it could be quite interesting. Um, he's got a new podcast, so I could quite happily hook you up with him. And he's based out of California. Please. And he's, he's um, a really nice guy. And he approached me on LinkedIn, and he came across really well. And he heard some of our podcasts. He said, "Oh, would I come on the show?" I said, "Yeah, no problem." But the point, the point with what, what sort of making Brad is that he was really sort of quite humble, nice young man. Very energetic, very enthusiastic. I thought, oh no, I'll help him out because he's he's you know he's approached in the right way and he, he was good to chat to. But my my question to him was, I don't know where you're gonna be in five years' time or ten years' time. You might be head of Columbia Records or you might be head of you know Universal. I don't know that. And hopefully you'll remember the conversation that we had. We did the podcast, we got on really well. He went, Yeah. And I said, That's the way you deal with things. And he was he sort of saw it in a different perspective, thinking, said, Well, I might not be head of Sony. I said, Well, you might be. Who knows? No. Yeah. In 10 years' time, I don't know that. You don't know that. You could be in a situation, and touching on what you also said earlier as well, Brad, I completely agree with this. It's, it's never the thing you go after that you get because the universe tells you no. It's always that time when someone you go into a meeting or you go into a bar for a beer or a coffee, you're introduced to somebody else, and it's always that somebody else that says, oh, by the way, I've got a project. Um, Could you have a look at this for me? And that's how the work comes. It's not by... I'm going to go and contact that person. I'm going to go and get the, the multi-million pound job tomorrow because they never happen. Never happened for me. No. And I don't think it's going to to anyone that I know, to be perfectly honest. But no. it's always the third or fourth person down the line. That's it's, it's in that really strange meeting that they go, oh, actually, you can help me do this. Oh, okay. And you're in that position at the time to be able to do that, which is, I find, I, I don't know, I find it very strange every time, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, well, man if you if i had just know maybe i come, come to this you, you with this earlier but you know i think in general humans are you yeah, know we want to do stuff ourselves like we're not we're not eager to ask for help especially you know I, as you know anybody who feels remotely intellectual you're like well I'll just google it i'll go on youtube i'll find it but some things just are not findable online and those then like that's the, the 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 pinnacle of the music industry is like everything you're looking for is amongst people and kind of just being being Present and in those conversations is what, is what creates it. Like I coach a lot of people, and I'll give I'll give anybody a fifteen to twenty minute brain jam. Like I, I, there's no there's no secrets. Like I'll tell you everything I can. All I'm really charging for when I'm doing anything in my life is my time. If I can tell you something right now in thirty seconds, like I'm going to tell you, of course. And I think that's really the thing to, for everybody to embrace, like if you're trying to grow your career as a music producer or you want to get more stuff placed by a music supervisor or whatever it is that you want to do, you know, go, again, broken record, but go out of your way to give to give to people. I think that in the music industry, because we're so used to like, we feel like we have to sell stuff that we think that we always need to be a salesperson, but we don't have to be salespeople. We just have to be like givers, right? People don't want to be sold to. They don't, they don't want your ads. They don't, they don't want your... You're not L'Oreal. You're you're not Target. No. You know, like no. you're you're a creative person. You're a real person. No one likes that stuff. So the more you just kind of like exhibit what you do, highlight what you do, and talk to people about it, and try to try to solve their problems, they're going to realize you have more answers than they than they can get out of you in that fifteen minutes or that drink you're having or that dinner or the zoom meeting, if, if you're providing them value, they're going to see that and be like, well, I need to talk to this person more because they're helping me with, with my answers. And I, I have two coaches myself because of those same reasons. Like I, there's, there's things that I can't discover online that I have to go learn from Holly and Coley Murchison on how to really navigate people and how to really put projects together and how to go after the, the, the big dollar stuff and bring it back down to like you know, people who are just kind of coming up from the grassroots, or Brant Williams, who's like really kind of been like a, like a, like a father in like this kind of like later part of my life, especially around like finance and helping me like think more smart about running a business, things like that. Right? Like, the, the more you sort of embody what you're giving. And vice versa, I think is really where success happens, and it it is it is a two way street. You really have to to walk the walk that you're talking, and and when you do that, I, like things just they fall into place.
1: Yeah, they do. I think they do, and I think I think that's one thing that has certainly happened in the pandemic it's sort of, is sort uh, is the whole world is had to go into restructuring, pause button, and move forward. And I think you know that's that's one of the positives. I think that's actually come out of the, out of this you know horrific situation really. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think on resources as well, Brad, what have been the best resources that helped you on your way?
2: That's a great question. Um, Time, I mean, it's just time. I think that everybody that I meet sort of like comes back into the pipeline later. Like someone I met three years ago just emailed me yesterday to like mix a song for them. Um, and that kind of is like the story of my life every day. Someone I met a long time ago, it's turning, it's turning into something like very, very seldomly is it like I get an email from somebody I've never, ever met. And then that day it turns into work. Like I get emails all the time to my, my my website and I respond, I respond to everybody. I think that's the, the, the biggest, the biggest thing too. Um, uh, but you know, nothing, nothing ever just like comes out automatically. So, you know, being responsive and everything like that. But in terms of like resources, um, I, I mean, just. Other people, I mean, really, really pay attention, like, you know, your podcast. Uh, YouTube videos. Um, when the pandemic kicked off, I, I felt because I wasn't going to in an actual like you know big studio as often for like the, be- the better part of last year. After my entire life going to a studio constantly, I was like, well, I, I-, I want to stay on top of my craft, so I just started studying YouTube videos. Um, Bruce Swedien is like one of my heroes, like he produced like Michael Jackson stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, r- really. Okay, like he's got the stereo miking technique, and you know, like trying to understand more about that. So, I mean, really, the the internet is powerful. You know, I, I went. To the school called Expression College for Digital Arts, and I got a bachelor's of applied science and audio engineering. This is like 2008. Um, you know, obviously going to school is helpful, but. It, the network I got out of the school is more important than anything else. So I think just people and then a willingness to, uh, to ask questions. Now recently, I feel like in the last two years, kind of like, you know, it's, it's beneficial to me, but it's not as, it wasn't as helpful when I first started, because it didn't exist yet. There's been a lot of great resources pop up like uh, Rick Barker, who's actually uh, Taylor Swift's old manager. He has this thing called the music industry blueprint. Um, he goes over everything from like marketing to, you know, A&R. That's, It's great. He's, he's a truth teller. Um, Master Music Licensing by Michael Elsner. That's a website, mastermusiclicensing.com has been more beneficial to me and everyone around me in terms of uh, actually like getting things placed than anything else. Again, he's a truth teller. Um, and then other stuff, like financial stuff. Uh, I, I love this guy, Tom Ferry. He's actually a real estate guy, Tom Ferry is. And so I, I like listening to stuff that's outside of music to try to reapply it. But I encourage everyone to go look up this Tom Ferry video, F-E-R-R-Y, uh, How the Rich Manage Their Money. That changed my life. If I had not watched that video two and a half years ago, the pandemic would have been a lot harder for me and my, and my wife. It would, it would have been tremendously difficult. Yeah, yeah, um, so yeah. stuff like that, like really just the internet's right there. People are right there. If you have any sort of random question, just go look, just go looking for it. And I understand that sometimes it's like, well, how do I search the thing I'm looking for? You know, especially like when you're making music, like how do you know you're supposed to search for this kind of microphone to put on this, but just go for it, type in the words, you know, and you'll find other people who are trying to to find it. And I I know it seems like a very basic answer, but now more than ever, like that information is just out there. Um, And I will just wrap up on that by saying that Clubhouse has been really powerful in that. It's 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 a podcast that you can participate in, and I think it's really great to hear these kinds of like constant one-on-one perspectives from you know from your peers on what's happening and really learn what's what's going on there.
1: Yeah, and no, I, I think so, and I think um again touching on a point you said as well, um, Brad, it's it, it's interesting the fact that you've had a reset button as well, and I don't think it's a bad thing to actually go back and learn the things that you know or just reevaluate what you know because I think if, if one thing that's taught us over the last twelve months is that if you've you've done what we've done and you've moved forward, but you've also reevaluated what you do. I think that makes you a better producer, better producer, better engineer. So when you've got that next band coming in or you're working with that next artist, I just think it prepares you even more. So you've just reevaluated everything that you're doing to be better at your job. It it does. And
2: I just came off, like I said, this record in California with this band called Uh Laney Lou and the Bird Dogs. It's like a pop folk yeah. record. They're from Montana. Um when I finished, I was like surprised. I mean, like, obviously like I'm always trying to do good work, but when I, when I actually hear something back that I did, I'm like, I did that like just a few days ago, it blows me away. And I know that it sounds that way because I studied. I know it sounds that way because I worked on my craft for months, studying, taking notes. I, I, I really believe in taking notes. I think it's way too much on the human brain to sort of like retain information. So, like, you know, like after this this podcast, I'm going to take some notes on things we talked about so I can revisit with you and and just remember like great things that came up. Um, that kind of stuff is the, is is the the best resource. Just take notes in your journey that so you can look back on it. I also think too like the amount of uh, like tools that are accessible to us now, like um, there's a there's a an app called Trello, which is basically like a like a like a bulletin board for post its, like a digital bulletin board you can post it on. Yeah. I love it, um, like any place you can just stack your ideas. If you're a creative person, you have a million ideas a day, you try to hang on to them. I feel like the, the biggest hack for me was always been like, write your ideas down and come back to it. Like, you know, um, and so, and especially like around like content production, whether you're writing songs, you're making stuff for TikTok. Like I've got a whole notes thing on my, on my on my phone about like, here's all my TikTok video ideas. And it's like hundreds of them. And so anytime I'm like, what do we post? I just go there and I pull, I pull an idea out and you go for it. Versus like, let me try to scratch my head for an hour, come up with the topic and make it work. So I think just like being in that place where you're you're listening, you're grabbing notes and you're just sort of like remembering that you are a great resource to yourself. You just have to tap into it. Like that, that's that's really um it's really a, a powerful thing.
1: Yeah, no, no. I, I I echo that as well. And I think taking that forward as well, Brad. I mean, this is an interesting point for you. <laughs> what what advice would you give people wanting to pursue a career today? New aspiring music producers, engineers in the industry, what you're sitting down with you know, new engineers new people that want to be producers what is the first thing or the few things you're going to tell them
2: be positive you just you got to be positive be super super duper positive um not just in your energy but be positive you want to do it i mean it's it, it, even when it's a sweet no getting no's is hard and you know co- the comment sections are brutal <laughs> i mean like <laughs> excuse me if if you're not in that positive mindset and and you know that um that feeling of like being empowered by the thing you're doing, it's going to be extremely hard. Also like it's staying positive will, will help you get through the tough moments. Like when it is dark and you're like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, you thinking negatively about it, it's not going to help anything. You know, like there's definitely something to be said about staying in a positive life. There's so much research about like positive energy and having a positive mindset and how it helps you think clearly. And, you know, when you think negatively, like, you know, it, it, it shuts down a lot of your, your logic processes. Like there's, there's so much evidence of that. So you might as well just embrace positivity. So that's that's key one. And then just buckle up. Just be ready for the long haul. Be ready. Yeah. Be ready yeah. for this. Take a while and be and be excited for it. You know, it's it's at least three to five years without anything happening for sure if you're just starting today it's 3 to 5 years of doing that but just think about anything you do like like many many people many many people practice yoga and muay thai and you know they play basketball with no no intention of being professional about it they just do it because they love it they, they do yoga because they love it they they work on it they get better any hobby you kind of have to keep music in that place of like it's a profession it's a thing but you got to love it like a hobby you don't put pressure on it you just put love into it and that that's really what will, will help you move ahead anytime you try to make it about making money you're like i'm going to do this to make money it always goes south it always has to yeah. be like, I'm doing this because I want to help people express their ideas or I want to express my ideas. Or for me, I want to open a faucet of possibility for somebody, like whatever that thing is. Like When you, when you pull from that, like whatever your, your core drive is for that, and that's really where where success comes from. So that's what I would say. Just be positive and, and, and buckle in.
1: Yeah, and no, I, I, I think I think that's good advice as well, Brad. I think um, one of the things which I've sort of been witness to over the last, <clears throat> I suppose sort of 10 years really, maybe a bit longer, is working with Becky and she sort of had the relationship working with alan so they're like two peas in a pod really, as a production team and because of what alan's done over the years he's worked with some you know you know phenomenal people Mm um created some great records um you know he's just a really nice guy becky brings that sort of youthfulness and energy to him so but it's sort of funny enough it turned around today because they're writing a um they've they've written a, a theme song for a movie um it's wonderful the essence of that sort of relationship is that. Alan comes from the school he comes from, and Becky's sort of coming from the school she comes from, and it sort of it works, and that sort of dynamic really works. I think they both learn off of each other, and I think that that's a that's a good thing to do.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, generational connection is is priceless. Um, you know, I, I I was very lucky. To, like my first boss, Stephen Hart, much much older than I am. All my mentors, you know, like Holly is kind of around my age, but like Brant's a lot older than I am. You know, I come from a family where all my siblings are older than I am. Um, You know, my, my, I can't, I can't not give credit to my grandma, Helen Reinhardt. She's a big part of that situation for me in my life. Uh, No longer with us, but, you know, definitely like another elder. So I think embracing people who are, who have been in the thing longer than you have is really crucial because, you know, like as I get older, you know, like I, I look at like, you know, 15, 16 year olds, like, Hey, I want your help. Like I want to know what you're thinking. Like I, I play Fortnite because I super want to know what kids are doing. I play Call of Duty because I want to know what people are are into. <laughs> but I wanna, I want to know. Like it's, yeah, it's fun. But it also is kind of like it's, a, it's a little bit of research. I, I, don't want to be out of tune. And so, you know, someone like Alan's like, well, let me let me pull Becky into this because then if if Becky's in tune, then I'm in tune, and vice versa. So I definitely think that you know being open to. You know the 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 crew that's been around longer than you have is really really important. I think in general, especially in the United States, uh, you know, uh, our society sort of like you know, looks at elders as like a pain, a pain in the butt, you know, nuisance and like, you know, no, no one wants to get old. No one wants old people, but it, we, we have so much to learn from them. And if you look back on the success of the human civilization over time, it's from like, listening to our elders and and pulling from them. And what I'm seeing now is a lot of the old snake oil from that I've read about in old books. Like it's coming back around. People are trying to pass off like old scams and old ways of doing things to artists. Like it's all just sort of coming back around. And the people who have been around can look at that and be like, nope, don't do that like that never worked and so it's it's a really good time to, to embrace that and i say that because there there is sort of like a you know they, they say they say like the anti-boomer kind of like mentality or whatever and and i, I get it like there's there, there's some issues with every generation but in terms of the music industry like there's a lot to learn from what they went through and a lot of what we do now is adopted from the industry that was that um, that you know was built before this one we have now so i think it's really important to take that into context
1: yeah, yeah, no, I do. I do. I, I, I think um, I, I completely agree. And I think that, that as well. And I suppose touching on this area as well, Brad, I mean, it is quite a big, big point, really. But if you could change one thing in the music industry today, what really annoys you about the business? And what would you change? Just one thing.
2: Responsiveness. Be, be responsive i mean I, and, and i say that to people who are coming up and the people who are ahead of me and i say that to every music supervisor every R person every booking manager every producer like i don't care if you tell me no just respond to me you know t- t- tell me something t- tell me to f off i don't care like i'll take that <laughs> at least at least that's a response but you know that um it, it, it is it is rampant in the amount of like ignoring that happens and to go back to what we said earlier like you don't know what's going to happen to that artist that you're ignoring or that producer you're ignoring or that opportunity you're ignoring. You don't know what's going to happen with them. That might be the exact same thing. Like your podcast, I don't know, next year you could get picked up by like I like it's SSL or you know Target or Amazon, and, like, and it's a huge syndicated thing. You never know what's going to happen. And so if you're responsive to people and you pull them into your network, you can really be a part of their life. I love when I see an artist that I've been working with sort of blow up a few years later. I look back at our first email and they're all like a little timid and they're excited to write me. I'm like, this is awesome. I was so excited to say yes to them then. And now they're, they're, they're coming around and they're, they're you know, becoming their best self. So. I just think responsiveness, you know, just even short answers are great. That's fine. Um, Tom Windish, who has been the head of Paradigm, um, the Paradigm Agency, booking agency for a long time, probably yeah. one of the busiest people I've ever met in my life. He'll still respond to you. Bob Weir, he'll still respond to you. You'll get an answer. It might be a yes or a no or okay or a thanks or just one word, even after you've written... Uh, you know, a, a paragraph or six to them, but a response is really critical. So I, I think that's really essential. And at the end of the day, like if you get an email or you send an email and you respond back and forth, like you just created, you know, um, you created something between the two of you, whether it's just like a contact and now you're in each other's emails list or just that awareness. I, I just I just think responsiveness is is something that has to be embraced because if you look at every other industry, they respond, if you, and I, I tell us to artists a lot, like, it's not hard to work with brands. Like, if you want to work with Airbnb, there are teams of people all over the world who are looking for projects to do with artists. They might say no to you, but they'll take your call. They'll take your email. They'll, they'll, they'll think about it, you know. Um... Uh, that, that's what I love about hypnosis. Merck Mercatus is you know the publisher yeah, like yeah, if you want to reach yeah. out to hypnosis, they'll respond to you and they'll try to set up a meeting. Will it happen? Maybe, maybe not, but like they will respond to you and they're they're moving millions hundreds of millions of dollars in in assets on a daily basis. So I think just you know I- embrace that because the people who are who are successful and the people who have the best track records, they are the most responsive and if you can embrace that too, I think it's really gonna be beneficial.
1: yeah, I agree with that. I think. You know, the, the point you make, which is really valid as well, Brad, I think if, if someone comes back to you and says no anyway, I've got more respect for that person. So at least they've taken the time to come back to me and say, thanks for email, Pete. But unfortunately, it's not quite right, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. You know, you're not worrying about that email for the next six weeks thinking, have I got the deal? Have I not got the deal? Are they going to get right. back to me?
2: Totally. And I've gotten those before that come back as yeses later, like, you know, especially in our music supervision, like a track that didn't work last month and might work great today. You know, like the, the the thing that's in front of that editor today is different than the thing that was in front of them last year. You know, yeah. uh, I think about I this a lot with any of the editors that work on like uh, History Channel shows or HGTV shows, you know, like where like a lot of like the cue music in the back, like different shows need different stuff. And like right now they're working on this show about houses and next month they're going to work on the show about like making like, you know, like Forged and Fire, like making axes and stuff like that. And so now your song might be right. And if if you... The same thing about responsiveness, is also being patient, and also you know, like you know, understand like you might not get that that response within 24 hours, but if you know if a month goes by, that's okay. You get a response, that's fine. But if a year goes by, that's something totally different. So I think that it's just important to, to understand that um, in addition to being responsive, that it also goes both ways, and, and to like I said, be patient because that person might get back to you. It might, they might just need that time to do it. So so don't don't judge too quickly. I'll say on the responsiveness thing, but definitely you know l- look for that and be that kind of person that gets back to people
1: well also as well it, it, i think it works in both ways as well brad because if, if you're you know you've highlighted as well talking to the you know the the chairman at paradigma agency you know when you bump into him or you're having a conversation with him that time and you're you know respectful and have a chat he might think well actually i've got a project that you might be interested in brad we're, we're doing this and this do you want to come in and have a conversation and suddenly you the door's open because of the way you've dealt with that situation and because you've been in front of the chairman or, or the ceo at that point and they've gone Actually, and that comes down to interacting people skills that got nothing to do with an email that's just got that's down to actually you as a person or that individual dealing with that person at that time and they think actually I can work with you because most CEOs and, and, and chairman of companies they got a bit of paper on their desk and this is the way the, the analogy that I look at it and that bit of paper they need to get it off their desk and get their problem solved and if you can solve that problem in an easy and efficient and clear way they're happy surely
2: yes yes. And you you raise a good point too, I wanted to highlight. um, My my wife Erin taught me this. You know, you have to be really conscious of like what communication style works best for that person. Like I I write a lot of emails because it works great for me, but like I know Tom Winnish's emails back to me are short because that's not his favorite way of communication. You know, he likes in-person and phone calls. Yeah. Some people, like, they, they only want to FaceTime. Like, I definitely have people who, like, I'll call them and they'll call me back on FaceTime. Like, I don't want to FaceTime you right now. <laughs> you know, but, like, that's – but you want to talk to that person, that's how that's how you're going to talk to them. So, yeah, it just kind of goes back to that being humble and being willing to give, like, what is going to be right for that person. And, you know, being willing to sort of put your needs aside for a minute to, you know, have a conversation with somebody. That doesn't mean you've got, you've got to fall on the sword forever, but just operating from a place of compassion and understanding that we all – we. All have our own baggage, we all have our own stuff, we all have our own things we're dealing with and how we communicate. And so the more patient we can be with one another, I think the the further all this goes.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's next for Brad? What's next on the agenda? What what's what's the burning thing you're gonna be up to in this next twelve months?
2: Well, you talked about farming. I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna grow potatoes actually yeah. or, or, or whatever yeah. you want to do, whatever that is <laughs> yeah
2: get some uh, oregano going no um, I think just just doubling down I was very um last year was a reset, I think anybody who reset last year, I would just say for this next year or two just doubled if it was working at all double down and keep going. So, you know, for me, I'm gonna be taking my coaching to more people. I'm launching this thing called the Music Industry Superclass. I do a lot of one-on-one coaching, but I want to be able to reach as many people as possible. So I've designed an online course for people to sort of tap into this big ecosystem of knowledge around succeeding in the music industry. I talk about like a lot of what we talked about today, just in more detail. So taking my coaching to more people with that, um, you know, I, talking to you reminds me of like my deeper dive into music supervision and trying to bring songs to picture much more. I'm very committed to that. And then just you know continue to hone my craft and love of producing engineering you know records with people I I love it and um, I'm really excited to to do this for my you know for my whole life um, one of my other sort of like heroes is Al Schmidt. you know Al schmidt he's got a great book called On the Record yeah um, talks about his whole journey through music and all the people he's worked with and I'm like I just want to do that I just you know I want to I want to keep evolving with the times and and help people make music and and bringing knowledge to people. And, you know, I look forward to when I'm 75 and I'm working with 19 year olds and helping them succeed and I can help them, you know, be successful, you know, and, and, and guide a path themselves that makes a lot of sense. So just, just go, going deeper down this than this, this, uh, this rabbit hole and just trying to help as many people as possible, give as much as I can to people and, you know, to, to, not to be morbid or anything, but you don't know how long you're going to be on this planet. And so I, I don't want to leave anything on the table. I don't want to leave information. I don't want to die with secrets about like things that could help people. I just want people to feel you know nourished by my existence because i feel nourished by their existence so that's that's really gonna be my goal this year and next year and just being re- really grateful for the time that you know we all have to you know to do the stuff we
1: love I sort of feel like I'm talking to myself on that point because i i sort of went in and out of sharing information in this business to not sharing and then i've sort of gone full circle the last i suppose last 15 20 years where i just go and share you know share the information and knowledge that i have because i think at the end of the day it, if it can empower the next person to do it, then great. And you know, I don't want to sort of like leave this earth with all this knowledge in my head. So I thought, well, why not share mm-hmm. as much as I can? And then what, what Becky does, what Alan does, what we all do. Uh, at the end of the day, it, it's not really costing us anything to do, and it's it's sort of empowering a community really. And I think nice. that's that's you know, a good way to go really. Because I, I, to be honest with you, I think it's the only way to go, Brad. Because we're all we all got to interact with people, no matter what job you do, you got to talk to people. So you just you got to deal with it, and you got to deal with it properly really yeah absolutely you don't
2: know when you're going to inspire somebody like going back to the record i just did i did a like a little quick tiktok video every day while i was in the studio and my my purpose of doing that was because well you know when i'm in the studio like i'm not really on my phone like i'm not like i don't have like a behind the scenes person following me so i was like i want to show people kind of how you know, like one perspective on how I produce an engineer music. That was my intention. What I got out of it from the comment section was people being inspired. People feeling like, you know, they could do it too if they wanted to do it. Like a lot of comments like, you know, I want this to be my life. This is so inspiring. And like, I never intended that. I was never like, all right, let me go ahead and just, you know, boost my ego with this stuff. Um, you know, but it, it was that that sharing of experience that was really beneficial to people. And we just, we, we forget how powerful that is. And we forget like what it's like to... The things that we know so deeply when someone doesn't know them and you sort of put that in their brain like what that does for them um it, it's 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 amazing and so we can't take that for granted you never know where someone's at and you never know you know uh, how early they are and like what that one little piece of knowledge you give them might do for their whole life
1: yeah no I, I i completely agree with that as well i completely agree with that and last of all brad for today's great conversation with you where can our listeners connect with you online social media etc
2: Yeah, braddollar.com, B-R-A-D-D-O-L-L-A-R, just like money. That is my real name, by the way. That's not a stage name. Uh, (laughs) braddollar.com is a great place to start. Um, You can also follow me on social. Um, I'm, at brad k dollar b-r-a-d the letter k d-o-l-l-a-r at brad k dollar across all of them uh instagram TikTok, linkedin all of that i'm really excited about TikTok right now so that's grabbing a lot of my attention if you want to see like the most up-to-date current stuff i'm there a lot um you know i have some reservations about the instagram algorithm right now and how it's so so driven by marketing but i still post there i still I have a following there and put things up there but um yeah you know look for me um I, I pop up on podcasts. I kind of started my own podcast last year, though I'm not as uh, not as dedicated as you are and you are an inspiration for that. Thank you for that. Um, so, you can find that on my website and things like that. But yeah, braddollar.com. You can also email me at mgmt at braddollar.com. If you have questions or if you, if you want to talk about something or you just want to touch base, I, mean, I, I love hearing from people. And like I said, I, I respond to everybody. Um, if it means I have to hire somebody to respond to my emails, I definitely will because it means a lot to me to, to reach out to people. And and I, I really appreciate people take the time to like to write me an email. It means a lot or call me or text me or whatever. So I don't take any of that lightly. I don't care if you're just starting or you're, you know, Bob Weir. Love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I think that's great. I think that's great. And I think that's, that's a really good sort of area to sort of come to our natural conclusion. And I'd just like to say that's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today, Brad. And thanks for coming on the Entertainment Engine. It's been great. Pete, thank you so
2: much. I, I really just... I have to say thank you so much for this again you know you've you've had a lot of really incredible guests and you've done a lot with this podcast and i've learned a lot from listening in so it means a lot to be included on this and it's it's funny you talk about alan glass a lot because that was one of the 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 podcasts i was like dang i need like i have notes on that one you know so (laughs) um so thank you for for uh inviting me on here and really thank you to everyone for listening and 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 uh and i hope hope you got something from it i hope that it was helpful and and can
1: uh, make your life as as uh, great as it can be It was really great to catch up with Brad this week. Learning about his experience in the music industry is really invaluable and his coaching with all the bands across the world. Great experience, great knowledge. We thank him for coming on and look forward to catching up with him later on in the year. And now it's over to Bex for the question of the day.
0: So let's have a quick recap onto last week's question. Which band recorded the theme song to the TV series Friends? And the answer is... The Rembrandts. Big thanks to everyone who joined in this week and sent in their answers to us. We pulled one name out of a hat and here's a big shout-out to Max from New York who got the answer right. I'll be back to you next week with more fun facts and a question of the day.
1: Well, that's all for today's episode of The Entertainment Engine. And thanks for listening
0: Join us again next week for more great music industry
1: discussions. Plus, we will have our question of the day and music and movie facts for our listeners.
0: It would be great to have your feedback on the show, so you can always drop us a message at any time. We would love to hear from you.
1: So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platforms so you never miss an episode.
0: Thanks for listening to the show and remember to all stay safe. The Entertainment Engine.